You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Shoes on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to The Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. What's up, y'all? It is Jill here, and I am doing a solo dolo episode today. Uh, excited to talk about this topic with you. Um, actually, it was because I posted a I posted something on Instagram a few weeks ago, and it was about kind of choosing your lifestyle. And so today, I want to talk about how to get discerning on exactly what you want and not what other people want or what other people are doing and also staying focused on your goal. So essentially in the post, I said that I was out to dinner with a good friend of mine who's also kind of a business strategy guy. And I was telling him about my business and he was like, oh my gosh, you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And I loved it because I am a strategy geek and he is too. And obviously I love talking about ideas and and things like that that we can create. I remember just listening and going, you know, this is really great and I love all these ideas, but I also know myself well enough to know that like, I don't want to do that. He was like, you could make seven figures overnight and you'd be, you'd have a huge team and you'd have this multi seven figure business. And I remember just appreciating it, listening and just saying, thank you. And just saying, you know, I really appreciate it, but I'm going to Australia next week and I'm going to be gone for three weeks and I don't want to have to check in with the team. And that's not exactly where I want to take my business. And I think this is a, there's a misconception here and we'll talk about some business stuff today. We'll talk about some maybe career, personal development, family relationship type stuff as well. Cause I think this applies to all of those things, but I think there's a misconception that there's only one way to be successful or that bigger is better or that, 
more money is automatically better. And so I wanted to have a conversation around how to get discerning on what you want your life to look like, whether that's your kind of family life, your relationship life, your uh, sort of career, your money, your business, any of those things, how to get clear on what it is that you want to create And then the other part of that, which is always the tougher part, is how to keep your squirrel brain from going off and wanting to do what everyone else is doing. So I'll tell you a quick story. A few years ago, I was in a big business mastermind and I paid $35,000 to be in this mastermind. And I was so excited when I first joined it. I was like, this is amazing. This is going to be the year. Jill Fitt's going to be explode like so many plans as one does. And you know, I obviously love being excited about that. But I think up until that point, I just assumed that there was kind of a right path to take or the path that you should take or what what success kind of looks like when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I remember looking around the mastermind, there was a lot of people there with multiple seven-figure businesses and you know big, huge, massive followings and huge email lists and all these 10-person teams. And I remember getting a few months into the mastermind and going, I don't know that I want this. I don't know that I like this. These people are working like 12 to 16-hour days they are making a shitload of money, but they have these, they have like 10, 12, 20 person teams that they're responsible for. And it's not that I'm averse to responsibility. It's just more like, I don't want to be on the hook for that many people's welfare. And I don't know that I want to have a big business where I have to be a manager. I'm not a great manager at all. That's not where my strength is. And I have a couple people that work for me at Jill Fit. I have a really amazing uh, virtual assistant who you know does all my admin stuff because I'm terrible at that. But it allows for me to really manage the things that I'm good at, which is content creation, um, you know, communication, all of those things. And so I remember just having that conversation with him. And I had that light bulb moment years ago in that mastermind. And that was the first time that I had really been like, oh, I haven't been choosing this. I've just been assuming that there's a specific path that I need to take to be successful. And I think oftentimes we see people like I did who are at a next level, whether that's maybe it's a, a family thing. Maybe you see someone who you know has a really great relationship and they're married and they have three kids and they have the home and they have the white picket fence and you know they have the 401k and you're like, ah, that looks like what I, sh- that's where I should be, right? I'm 30 years old. I'm 40 years old. I should be there. When in actuality, there's a lot of different ways that a family can look. You know, a family could be uh, roommates. A family could be um, a boyfriend or girlfriend. A family could be you and a dog at home, right? So there's a lot of different ways that a family can look. And I think one of the things that we've done really well in this podcast is sort of started to try to buck the trend and really question some of the the more conventional ways of doing things. Um, I think oftentimes, at least in my case, I didn't have enough experience when I was in that mastermind to be discerning. I just felt like there was only one way to do something. And what I realized in that mastermind was like, wow, I, people were like, I work 12 to 16 hours, don't you? And I was like, no, I work like four to six hours a day. I was like, I live at the beach. I work four to six hours a day. I have a really great business and I do something that I love and it's been sustainable. And I've been in this industry for 10 years. And like, so I was starting to go like, I don't know that I need to do all of that. Now, if I did start working 12, 14 hour days, yeah. Would I make more money? Yeah. But I wouldn't have the time to spend with my family and my friends and travel and, and all the things that I want to do. And so I realized in that moment that there are a thousand ways to arrive at success. And I don't think I had that awareness until then. And so I thought to myself, you know, what is this really about? If I'm helping someone, if I'm coaching someone through this process, um, how do we minimize FOMO? 
How do we minimize this like squirrel brain that like wants to do everything and feels behind all the time? How do we really own our decisions? How do we first know what our decisions are? And then second, how do we own them so that we don't get sidetracked when other people are doing amazing stuff that looks amazing, but you know, for you in actuality, you wouldn't want that lifestyle. So I'm looking at these people and you know, these people have like designer bags and designer shoes and these huge cars and like they're flying on private jets, multiple seven figure businesses. And I'm like, I don't want to work 16 hours a day. So there are trade-offs and I want to talk about that a little bit today, but I kind of broke this thing, uh, this episode down into three parts. And I think it's important that we run through all of these three and talk about how we can as individuals, as you know, partners, as family members, as employees or business owners, how we can start to get really discerning on what it is that we want to create and get so excited and so passionate about what we're doing that we don't even care what anyone else is doing. We can acknowledge like, oh, that's really cool. Not for me. Oh, that's really awesome. Not for me. Oh, like that's so like you're so successful. Not for me. To me, I really define success in terms of doing what I love, finding enjoyment in my work, having time for family and friends. And I hate the word balance, but it really is this kind of like work-life integration. It's not really work-life balance. It's more like work-life integration. How can I do my work every day sometimes and then be off sometimes and have boundaries around when I spend time at work and when I spend time with my family and friends. And so having this kind of integration, at least for me, works well. So the starting point for this and the first step really is lifestyle design. And I know that there is maybe a whole like certification. Maybe if one of you guys know more about this, you can pop into our Facebook group and share um, lifestyle design. The first time I really heard that term was from Tim Ferriss. So Tim Ferriss, as you guys know, is the author of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. It has a couple other books as well. And I read The 4-Hour Workweek in 2007 when it first came out. And it was such a game changer for me because at that time I was personal training and teaching group fitness classes and working at the gym 70 to 80 hours a week. And here's Tim Ferriss who's a young guy and he comes on the scene with this best-selling book advocating working four hours a week. And I was like, this guy's out to lunch. Like, what is he talking about? There's no way that you could make a living working four hours. And I still don't know what there really is, but there are certainly plenty of ways to make a living not working 70 to 80 hours a week like I was. And at the moment I heard, like I heard the book and I didn't really believe him at first. I was like, yeah, yeah, Tim, that works for you, but you don't understand the fitness industry. We, our clients are constantly leaving us. We have to constantly make more money. We get paid dog shit. Like I just was had these, all these excuses as to why I could not change my schedule. And it actually took me a couple of years. It probably took me until 2009 to really look critically at my schedule and to frankly have the courage to start making changes to create a lifestyle that I loved and really started making decisions based on time and not money. And that was really tough, especially coming from like a real scarcity place, especially with personal training. If you're in the service industry, a lot of times we just say, well, the more you work, the more you make. So you just take on clients and you work all hours a day. And and it's good because you have a work ethic, but at the end of the day, there's no time to do anything else. You know, I was looking forward to the one week of vacation that I took every year. And, you know, I tell my clients, okay, I'll be back in a week and I'll write them programs. I'm still working. (laughs) So lifestyle design at the time didn't feel feasible. But I slowly, slowly started making some changes to my schedule. I was asking my clients to come at different times. So I would batch my clients so I didn't have little random kind of 30 minute and hour long downtime in between clients. I asked if, so I booked them all back to back and totally batched them. 
Um, I changed my sessions to be a little bit shorter. I had them do their own warm up and cool down. So I didn't have to do that with them. Um, you know, I started doing group training and I also increased my prices. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to increase my prices. And even if I lose some of my clientele, I actually lost about 10% of my clientele, but I still was making now more money and less time. And here's the thing, like there's a lot of business coaches out there who are like, know your worth and, you know, charge what you're worth. But if you don't have any experience yet, then maybe you're not going to be charging top dollar. But I had been a personal trainer and a full-time fitness instructor for like 10 years. Like I had what it took. I knew that I was good. I had the reps. I had the clinical experience. So I was like, you know what? Why am I charging the same as someone who just got a certification last month? Why am I charging the same? So I literally doubled my prices. I lost 10% of my clientele. Some of them went into group training, but now all of a sudden I had so much more time in my schedule and I used that time to start writing blogs and I launched JillFit in 2010 and I had more time for friends and family and I had more time for travel and I started going to conferences and I started educating myself and taking courses and reading books that would leverage all of these other activities besides just seeing a client was started leveraging. And so I think when you talk about lifestyle design, you have to have a few questions and maybe you guys can even take a piece of paper out or take out your phone and kind of write some answers to this stuff. These are just some good things to start to think about. So under the topic of lifestyle design, how many hours a week do you want to work or how many hours a day do you want to work? And I know that for some of you, if you're working like you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, you're like, damn, Jill, I, I want to work zero hours. It's like, okay, you don't want to work zero hours, but maybe instead of working eight, you want to work six. Maybe instead of working 12, you want to work eight, right? So let's start with, can you pull back or do you just love what you do and want to work more and more? I think most people don't. So how many hours a week do you want to work? How many hours a day do you want to work? Start there. Even if you're unsure how you could ever make that possible. To me, working 80 hours a week in the gym, there was no way if someone had told me at some point you're going to be working six hours a day, I'd be like, I'm poor. I'd be poor. <laughs> That's the only thing I could see. And so asking yourself that question, starting with the end in mind, and then asking like, do I care about the work that I'm doing, right? Do I need to love the work that I'm doing? So if you're an entrepreneur or you're, um, you know, someone who is an employee, like, do you need, is that important to you? I know a lot of people just work so that they have money and time to spend with their families. They don't care as much about the work. They're like, it's a job. It's fine. I get paid. And really what I enjoy the most is my time with friends and family. So that allows me to do that. So for me, you know, it's really important to me that I am creating, I'm engaged in my work. That's important to me. So what are, you know, how much do you care about the work that you do and do you need to love it? There's no judgment either way. How important are things outside of work for you, right? How much time and attention do those things need? So I did have an aha moment when I was personal training. And I remember I had this one client, I think I've told the story before. Um, and I, for some reason, agreed to take this client on Friday nights at eight o'clock at night for $15. Again, in scarcity mode, just taking any client at any time of day for any amount of money. And I was driving across, the, I was literally driving across town for this client, one client at eight o'clock at night on a Friday for $15. And I had this moment of like, what am I actually doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, how did I get to the point where I said yes to this? All of my friends and family were out to dinner. They were all relaxing. It was like weekend mode. 
And so I had this moment of like, okay, like this actually isn't okay anymore. And that was one of, that was pretty much the last straw when I started making changes to my schedule. So, you know, how much time and attention do your friends and family need? Are you doing things that feel out of your integrity? Like for me doing that, I just put my, I was, had my head down. I was grinding. It took looking up, lifting my head up and going, okay, like there has to be an alternative to this. I didn't know at the time what it would be, but I had to have the realization that there could be an alternative. And I do believe that there is. Next, what boundaries will I have to put in place, right? For me, it was like, these are my time boundaries. These are my, these are my pricing boundaries. And then what goes where and when? Like, okay, so, you know, um, this could be anything. I'm just using work examples because it's easy because all of us, you know, hopefully we have a job and we're working. So we have a little bit of kind of freedom in that. Can you telecommute? Can you, um, you know, can you cut down your hours? Can you cut out a full day? And I remember my mom was a full-time, she worked for a corporate bank my entire life. And at one point she was working Monday through Thursday, but she was doing 10 hour days, Monday through Thursday. And she had Friday off. And so are there options that you could either come to your boss with or talk to someone about, or, you know, do start some sort of side hustle or kind of do the hybrid thing where you're building a business on the side while you're kind of maybe slowly cutting back on hours in your full-time job. I did that as well. I was working full-time at a university and I went to my boss and I said, you know, is there any way that I can get Tuesday and Thursday afternoons off? I'm going back to school and those would be times that I would like to study. And me getting this master's degree in nutrition will help me do a better job here. And they were not putting me through school. So that was my kind of negotiating piece. Um, and I said, I'll even take a pay cut, pay cut for it. I said, I don't mind taking a pay cut. I did not have to take a pay cut, but I offered to. Um, and I also said, I need an assistant. I need someone who can help me with this stuff. There's too much administrative work. This should not be the things that I'm doing. And so you might have to have a couple of uncomfortable conversations with people in your life. So where can you open up time? Where, what time are you missing out on? I was missing clearly on friends and family time. Maybe you're missing out on alone time. Maybe you're missing out on date night with your partner. Maybe you're missing out on time with your kids. Maybe you're just, you know, want to have more time to, to start an online business or kind of some sort of side hustle. And so really asking yourself the questions and not getting so bogged down and like, but how would that happen? How could that ever happen? Believe me, like, it can happen, but you have to slowly start to even think it's a possibility. So lifestyle design is first and foremost. Do you want to travel? Do you want to be able to work from wherever, right? Do you want to be able to have a second home? Uh, do you want to be able to take your kids out of school and, and go somewhere, right? Like what are the, just think outside the box. This stuff I know feels really scary, but like what's the harm in just writing it down, right? What's the harm in just putting it on paper, and even if you just set it and forget it, like what's the harm in doing that? You've at least started to put it out in the universe that it could be a possibility. And remember, like oftentimes we're not in charge of the exact outcome. We're always just in charge of the intention and the effort. So start to put it down, start to see what that might look like for you. And don't assume that it's going to happen overnight, but start with the intention. So that's the first piece is lifestyle design. The second step is now reverse engineering the process. So now you've created... Uh, what you want to create, right? That's the intention. The intention is like, I don't know the, how this is going to happen, but five years from now, here's where I'd like to be. Now we have to kind of reverse engineer the process. So these are extremely important questions to ask yourself because when we talk about FOMO, like fear of missing out, or we talk about squirrel brain, or we talk about getting sidetracked on things, it really comes down to these things. You have to ask yourself, now that we have the end in mind, what do I have to say no to? 
and this is really hard. If I could like tattoo this on my forehead, I would. What do I have to say no to? What do I have to say no to? And so it might be like, I might have to say no and have a really uncomfortable conversation with my boss. I might have to say no to a friend that wants to go to happy hour every night and I want to go home and work on my business. I might have to say no to my partner who wants to spend all day Sunday with me and I want to work on my side hustle. I might have to say no to, um, you know, my family who wants to constantly see me when I just need alone time and I need to be by myself or I, you know, want to spend time with my kids alone, whatever that looks like, what do I have to say no to? And this is really where like boundaries come in, but you also need to create a to don't list. I think I got this from Tim Ferriss as well. So it's not a to do list. It's a to don't list. What will you not do? What will you not put up with? So an easy way to do this is just write down how you, everything that you do in a week. So everything from, working out, to work, to going to happy hour, to, you know, hanging out with your family, to watching a movie on Friday, like everything that you do in a week. And then just go, what did I do? What things did I do that I didn't love? What things did I do that, you know, I really feel like was a distraction to what I want to create? So for example, if you are trying to lose 30 pounds and you have a friend who's constantly you hitting you up to go out to dinner, to go to happy hour, whatever. It's like, that shit's fun. Believe me, I love that. I don't know that I'd have the willpower to say no. But maybe instead of going every week, you start going every other week and start there, right? Or maybe instead of going every week, you go once a month and start there. Or instead of going three times a week, you go once a week. And so where can you start to cut back and what do you have to say no to? So looking at what you want to create, what are you not going to do? So that to don't list is really important. And this is hard because you might have to have some uncomfortable conversations. Next is like, what are you not the best at? Looking at everything you do in a week, what are you just like not good at? What is the thing that you're like, ah, like I'm kind of doing that. But like, so for me, it's, it's very basic stuff. It's like, uh, cooking, cleaning for me, management. When I had that conversation with my friend about business a couple of years ago, it's like, yeah, like I'm not a good manager and I'm not going to try to bring up my weaknesses. I'd rather double down on my strengths. So what are your strengths and how can we double down on those? And then what can you just get off your plate? What are you just not the best at? What can you outsource? What can you create workarounds for? What people in your life might not get your attention anymore? You know, that client of mine, that eight o'clock client on Friday, I had to literally say, yo, I'm not doing this time slot anymore. Here are the time slots that I do have available. Can you make any of these? And I don't remember if she could or not, but I was willing to lose that client to make my schedule the way that I wanted it. And you need to come in being willing to lose something, right? Because again, that gets us into abundance. We don't want to be in this like scarce place where we're constantly like begging people for their time, attention, and money. We want to get into the abundance place. That's where we have the most power. And so what people in your life might not get your attention anymore. And then where will you create and enforce boundaries with those in your life? That's what's really hard is, okay, you told your friend you're not going to do happy hour. When they hit you up, you know, can you explain to them that it's not in line with your goals, but that you love them still? You know, I think it's important to, you know, we have people in our life that just have a different idea of what they want to do and they want you to be a part of it. And that's always great. It's always nice to feel included. But I think, you know, I've had very serious conversations with everyone in my life and it's just important. I remember Danny J and I, we haven't really talked about this, but she was getting ready to launch Find the Money or Master Your Money um, like months ago. 
uh, when she launched it in March or whatever. And I had planned a trip to Mammoth Mountain. We were going to go snowboarding. She had asked me about going in January. So I kind of booked it. We hadn't like completely confirmed, but I was like, oh, just like bring your stuff up there. We can board during the day, like snowboard during the day. You can work at night. It'll be super chill. I have it for the whole week. And I remember she backed out and I was hurt, but I also really respected the fact that she wanted to double down on her work. And she said, Hey, I really want to come. And I, it's, I hate letting you down, but I keep putting this off and I keep putting off my project and I keep, and I got to go to work and I keep putting it off. And I hate that. Like now's the week that I'm going to come become serious about it, but like, I can't keep putting it off for another week. And I hate that I'm letting you down. But I'm hoping that as my friend, you can understand that this is important to me too. And it doesn't mean I don't love you and I don't care about you. And I certainly want to snowboard with you at some point, but I got to do this. And that was a really hard conversation for us, you know, to have, she, she felt bad about letting me down. You know, I felt, I was like, shit, I got this like whole place in Bamath for a week and I'm going to be up there by myself. Like, you know, we had a really difficult conversation, but I think it was productive. You know, she was able to tell me where she was coming from. I was able to see where she was coming from. And so, you know, I know that not everyone <laughs> can communicate on that level, but we've had a lot of practice and we're as business partners, we're pretty good on that stuff. Um, so I think it's important that, you know, deciding where you're going to have boundaries and then enforcing them, even though they're tough to enforce sometimes. Next is what opportunities are you okay letting fall away, at least for now? This is important. So one of the things I always tell my girls, my coaching, my business coaching clients is you can do everything. You just can't do it all right now. Like literally, if you're going to be in this industry for 10, 15, 20 years, God willing, you can do everything, but you can't do everything right now. So just pick the first thing right? Pick the first thing, get some reps under your belt, get some clinical experience, have the full experience, do the launch, you know, create the product, service, whatever it is, follow one thing all the way through. Because now, next time I come into the next thing I'm going to do, I know what worked. I know what didn't work. If I don't follow through on one thing and I keep jumping to other projects and I never follow anything through, I'm never going to glean the experience that I need to get better if I'm constantly jumping. So, you know, what opportunities are you okay letting fall away? Uh, one of the things that, especially when it comes to like boundaries and things like that is Brendan Burchard. I love his stuff. He always says that, you know, um, the inbox is just an organizing system for other people's agendas. So he always advocates whatever you have on your to-do list, getting up, getting it done first. Cause as soon as you start considering what everyone else needs from you, right? So I'll log into my email and I have, uh, you know, someone who wants to be in a podcast, someone who wants me to be on a summit, someone who, you know, wants me to promote their whatever, right? I'm getting all these things that I'm like, these are great networking opportunities, but not until I take care of my own shit, not until I take care of home base first, right? Like this is the most important thing to me. So I'm not entitled to squirrels yet until I take care of the thing that I wanted to create first and foremost, I'm not going to be on someone else's podcast when I have work to do on my own business. I'm not going to sign up to, you know, speak at an event if I have my own shit, I'm, if I'm launching something. I'm not going to promote someone else's thing if I'm promoting my own thing. You know, and it's not that I don't, I'm, I don't mind collaboration, but not the expense of my own shit. And so I hope that if you're listening to this, you decide what's most important to you. Because at the end of the day, like, this is what I have. I could promote someone else's thing, but that doesn't really help me. Like, I, I can help them as a friend and I put some equity in that relationship, but at the end of the day, I owe it to myself to take care of home base first. Um, one of the quotes that I really love from Mark Manson is he says, the most confident people are the ones who are okay with what they don't have. 
And I find that to be true. There's something really refreshing about someone who makes a choice and then owns their choice. So for example, it's okay to say, I am choosing not to have children. I'm okay with that. There's so much power in owning that choice. Now, not everyone, you know, can have children. So maybe it's like a can have versus, you know, choosing not to or whatever that looks like. But I always remember that the most confident people are the ones who are okay with what they don't have. And I, I found so much just power in that by going, you know what? I don't have the white picket fence with the 401k and the like 30 year marriage and like a bunch of kids running around and I don't have that degree and I don't have that business and I don't have, but you know what I do have? I have these things over here, which are really amazing. And honestly, when we, when we talk about just like general happiness, I don't see any other way to operate. <laughs> I really think that whatever circumstance you have actively chosen and then maybe found yourself in, even if you didn't actively choose it, whatever situation you found yourself in as a result of circumstances or choices or whatever, I feel like the only thing that you really can do in that moment is is own it and be okay with it and figure out a way to be confident in it even. And so reverse engineering the process is about staying focused. It's about saying no to things. It's about creating a to-don't list. It's about having specific boundaries that you're willing to enforce. It's about letting other opportunities go. There's actually a term instead of FOMO, it's called JOMO, J-O-M-O. And it's the joy of missing out. And there's something really nice about going, you know what, all these entrepreneurs, have these huge businesses and they're all making multiple seven figures and I don't want that shit. And there's joy in not going down that path for me because I know, because I'm so in love with the path that I've chosen. And so Jomo is a, some, a great like kind of just mantra as well. Then the last piece, the last third step of the three, the first was lifestyle design. The second is reverse engineering the process. And the third step is don't get sidetracked and stay focused. So this is where like more of the own your choice comes in, right? Remember what you decided you wanted. Remember what you decided that you wanted. You can do everything. You just can't do everything all at once. Own your choice and follow through. So that's one of the things that I think, you know, really takes a lot of confidence you have to ask yourself, like, what's my track record with sticking to things? Do I constantly jump ship? Am I constantly jumping from diet to diet? Am I constantly jumping into new business ventures? Have I joined, you know, a dozen network marketing companies in the last decade and none of them have really come to fruition? And I, you know, do I just keep signing up for programs and not following through? So ask yourself, like, cool, what is it about these squirrels or these, uh, like, seeing what other people are doing that just looks better? Couldn't you just own what you decided and double down on that? Are you confident enough to, in yourself even, to make this path work? Are you willing to be tenacious? Are you willing to be resilient? Are you willing to have a pivot mindset? Because you're probably going to, and you're probably going to, you know, come across some barriers. Are you just going to jump ship? And that doesn't say anything about like your work ethic, whatever. It's just like literally you are susceptible to squirrel brain, and that's fine. Most of us are, but I need for you to fall more in love with what you're fucking doing. That's the best feeling in the world. And I find this a lot with my Moderation 365 clients. You guys have been on this podcast. You've heard me talk about um, you know, food obsession and moderation and things like that and mindfulness. And the, co- the coolest part about that process is for most of my clients who make that full switch from kind of like all or nothing, obsessive dieting to Moderation 365 is they don't wanna do anything else. 
They see friends, family, neighbors doing keto, doing paleo, doing fasting, jumping on the cookie diet, whatever it is. And they just have their blinders on. They're like, they're curious, but they know and they trust that they have really found the perfect way of eating for them. So they don't give a shit. They're like, you can do that. Do the cookie diet all day long. Good luck with keto. Happy fasting. Like they don't care because they're just so solid in what they've created for themselves. And that's such a great, and we can do that in all areas of our life. We can do that with our eating. We do it with our exercise. We can do that with our business. We can do that with our career, our family choices. What does that look like? And then asking yourself like, would I want the life of the person that has that person has to live to create that thing. So for me, looking at those business owners going, I don't really want that. And sure, are there maybe examples of people who have multiple seven-figure businesses who work six hours a day? I'm sure that there are, but I just wasn't around them. And so asking yourself, like, would I want that life? You know, we talk about this a lot, Danny and I, especially as ex-competitors, we can see really shredded fitness people, you know, we at the gym or they get ready to get on stage. And, you know, we live that lifestyle for a long time. And I can appreciate it from afar, but also in the same breath, say, I don't want to do that anymore. That's literally like, I can appreciate that physique and go like, damn, I would love to look that shredded, but I'm not willing to do the things it takes anymore to get that. I have other things in my life that I want to focus on. And so I think that's really important is asking yourself, like, would I actually want to, the, the life that person has to live to create that thing? And I don't oftentimes. I think if you ask yourself, you often don't. And then a deeper question is, why would you want that thing? The thing that you're coveting, why do you want that? Typically, it's maybe not a reason that came from you. Maybe it's a status thing. You know, I want a seven-figure business so I can say I'm a seven-figure business owner. Cool, status. I want that luxury car for status. I want people to know. Is it society? Okay, uh, society says that if I'm, you know, single at 40, I'm worthless. I'm an old maid, right? Like, okay, like, well, couldn't you just instead be 40 and fucking choose being single? Being single is amazing. Could you not just choose that and buck the trend? Is it culture? Do you need to have a certain, do you need to have a nine to five job? Is that, because that's what's acceptable? I think that our generation is kind of the first generation that can really buck the norms. I think we have a lot more autonomy than our parents did. I think we have a lot more options. I think we have a lot more different ways that things can look. And we have the availability to uh, do things that look less conventional. And then here's the kicker, owning that shit. That's really the biggest kicker is just like owning that shit. So asking yourself like that thing that I'm coveting that, that the other person is doing, like, why do I want that? You know, so if I'm looking at people at the gym and they're shredded, I'm like, okay, but like, I know what they have to do to get that body. I would never want to do that. It's too extreme for me. Owning it. And I love it for them. I'm like, that's their jam. They're in heaven right now. But I know that if I was doing that, I would not have the business that I have. I don't, I know I would not have the family life I have. I would not have the relationship I have. So it's all just law of trade-offs. And I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing that the law of trade-offs is a thing and that we get to pick. So I think first order business just decide that like you can't have everything. You can have the things that you want and that's where discernment comes in. And then how are you going to implement that moving forward? So hopefully this is helpful to you guys. Number one, lifestyle design. What do you want? High level. Number two, re reverse engineer that process. What, need you, what do you need to say no to? And then third step is don't get sidetracked and stay focused. And this is really about what's my track record look like to sticking to things? Am I willing to be tenacious, resilient, stick it out? own my choice, 
Um, you know, and then asking myself the deep why of like, if I'm coveting something that someone else is doing, why is that? And typically it's a more superficial answer. Not always, but oftentimes it is. Okay. I just want money to say I have money. Like, okay, like money can't be the thing, right? It has to be meaning, fulfillment, balance, whatever that is. So it's oftentimes when we question these things, we're able to really own our choices a lot more and let people around us do what they're going to do and still be solid in our own choice. So the most confident people are the ones who are okay with what they don't have. And I think that's a good rule of thumb. So hopefully this is helpful to you guys. Hopefully it will help you stay a little more focused. It will kind of keep you on the path a little bit. And then just, you know, have the awareness. If you find yourself really get of getting into that like FOMO mindset and squirrel brain, reaffirm your goals to yourself. Reaffirm the goals that you set. Own the thing that you really want to do and really just decide, okay, like, you know, can I own this thing? Um, you know, what can I, what do I need to put in place? And then how, what my boundaries are going to be? What do I need to say no to? All of those good things. And sometimes it's just start with, with awareness. So hopefully this is helpful to you guys. If you have any insight, I would love to hear it. Go hit us up in the Best Life Podcast uh, Facebook group. It's thebestlifepodcast.com. We'll take you right to the closed Facebook group. We always love hearing your insight and your two cents on the episodes. We always have great discussion there. And if you have not left us a review, Danny and I would really appreciate that. If you go to just your iTunes podcast, uh, listening app, or, uh, maybe Spotify, I'm not sure exactly where you can leave reviews, but I know you can on, uh, your, the iTunes or, you know, the Apple, uh, podcast app. If you have not taken 30 seconds to leave us a review, we would so appreciate it. It literally takes like one second. If you are out walking right now, please open up your phone, put just a couple of sentences in there, giving people an idea of what they can expect on this podcast, what you love about it. Oftentimes people are searching for a podcast. I'm sure you are as well. It is always great for them to get real honest assessments of what they're going to get here. And we always just appreciate that so much. So please go ahead and do that. If you have not already, it would mean the world to us. And that's it. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.